day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, He said, pray this way, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. How is it possible for restoration and forgiveness? All you have to do is know and be reminded of how much you've been forgiven. That's how. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said to pray this way. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds you to forgive one another. Even if you've been hurt, it's so important to show them the same type of forgiveness your Lord has shown you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philemon chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Here I was ready to tax the moon and the stars, the heavens and the earth, and do whatever he asked. He has not because he asked not. I know that's a dramatic and almost silly way to illustrate it, but you get the point, right? Here, Philemon, you're praying for Onesimus to come back. Why don't you pray that he gets saved and then come back? How about that? Why don't you reconsider how it is and what it is that you're asking God to do? You know, you can trust God to do anything. If it's His will and for His glory, you got it, man. And don't pray small. I mean, pray an outlandish prayer and then watch God do it. Because He will. I can almost picture God in the heavenlies. You know, and our prayers are so fragrant, like in the book of Revelation, they're in a bowl, fragrant before the throne. And so we already know that our prayers are precious to Him. And I just wonder if God is in heaven, seated on the throne, waiting for us to ask Him for something that is just so over the top, so He can do it. Because He can. And the only reason He can't is because we don't ask Him or expect Him to do it. I think about in the Gospels, how many times, and never imagined that Jesus had a harsh tone in His voice, I think it was just loving compassion and bewilderment almost. Why is your faith so little when your God is so big? Why do you doubt? Why do you worry? Do you not know that your heavenly Father will give you everything you need? Think about yourself as an earthly parent, as an earthly father, earthly mother. Your child asks you for something, and it's good. You're not going to give it to them? 
You're going to withhold it from them? They ask for fish, you're going to give them a snake? Bread, you're going to give them a rock? Here, it's a little tough, but you can have this. No. How much more your heavenly Father, when you ask, ask, what have you got to lose? I mean, (laughs) well, I don't know, it just seems like my prayers bounce off the ceiling. They don't. God answers your prayers. You may not like the answer that He gives, but God is answering your prayer in one of three ways. He's either saying yes, I love it when He does that, thank you Lord, or He says no, I hate Him when He says no, or He says wait. I hate that. I would almost rather have a no, so I can regroup, and then go back to him with, okay, how about this then? I I know you said no on that, but how about this one then? But when he says wait, it's kind of like, you're on hold now. You have to wait. But I hate to wait. You're going to have to wait. Because the timing's not right. I'm going to do it, but if I did it right now, Believe me, you don't want me to do it right now, because it would rob you of the blessing of waiting. I think about what Isaiah thirty eighteen says, the Lord will wait so that He can be gracious unto you. God's delays are not God's denials. I know that sounds cliche, but it's so true. God's timing is always perfect. We're quick to say God's never late, but we're not as quick to say God's never early either. His timing is always perfect. Well, before we bring this to an end, and I, if you're anything like me, I don't want to end this, this letter. I want to share with you several life lessons that we can take away from this short epistle. So what follows, they're not in any particular order, although I, they're the last one though is the one I want to spend the most time on. You'll see why. But I found five such life lessons that to me are the main reason that explains why we even have a book like this in our Bibles. But more importantly, in the context of what we're talking about today, I think this is the takeaway when it comes to those times in your life when God allows the inexplicable, and it doesn't make sense, and you don't know what God's doing, you don't know why God is doing it, you don't know why God is allowing it, So I found five of them. Here's the first one. This is important. Think about this. Paul risked his reputation to restore Onesimus because he himself was on the receiving end of Barnabas risking his reputation to accept Paul. Did you catch that? Let's go back to Saul of Tarsus, having Christians murdered. 
And he's on the road to Damascus. God gets a hold of him, saves him. Not him. Nuts. He's the last person you would have ever thought. He was the one responsible for uncle's death. Yeah, him. He got saved. No way. Way. Somebody must have prayed for him. They did. You know who I think it was? It's recorded in the book of Acts. Stephen, the first martyr, being stoned to death. Saul of Tarsus was there. In fact, he had his fingerprints of authorization on that martyred death. And Stephen prayed for them. I think he knew who Saul was before he breathed his last breath. He prayed for their salvation, and he prayed like the Savior prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think that stuck with Saul. I think it haunted him, and he couldn't shake it. And then God gets a hold of him. Now we got a really serious problem. It makes Onesimus look like kindergarten. Because we've got a guy that's persecuted the church and had Christians killed, and now he gets saved? In fact, there's even an account in the book of Acts where everybody's like, no, it's a trick. It's a trap. Hey, we got this guy you guys saved. You know him as Saul of Tarsus, but we wanted to invite him over to our home Bible study. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, no, you're not. And then here comes a guy by the name of Barnabas who sticks his neck on the line for Saul of Tarsus, who would become affectionately known as Paul the Apostle. He says, I'll vouch for him. Put it on my account. He's good. He got saved. Let's welcome him. Can you imagine what that meant to Paul? Nobody would come anywhere near him. And here's Barnabas, risking his reputation just as Paul is risking his reputation. Man, you're caught anywhere near a runaway slave. You know what they would do, by the way? Runaway slaves who were caught, they would put uh, a mark on their forehead. They would mark them for the rest of their life, runaway slave. So here's Paul. First of all, he leads him to Christ, and now he's going to stick his neck on the line. I think the takeaway is clear, isn't it? When you've been on the receiving end of that, should it not be reciprocated when you're on the other end of that? You know, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, He said, pray this way, forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. How is it possible for restoration and forgiveness? All you have to do is know and be reminded of how much you've been forgiven of. That's how. Kind of ties into the second one, which has to do with Philemon. Philemon teaches us that While forgiveness can be very hard when you've been hurt and wronged, you can forgive knowing how much you've been forgiven of. And we do forget, and that's why I think it is that Paul reminded Philemon 
that he led him to Christ, and all of his sins were forgiven. So now it's time for you, Philemon, to forgive his sins as you've been forgiven. The third one. This has to do with Onesimus. I think the takeaway from Onesimus is that of the paramount importance of asking for forgiveness from those whom we've wronged, and then even taking it further and making it right, whatever the cost. If you've wronged someone, you need to ask for forgiveness and you need to restore that relationship. Number four, and we talked about this, and we'll spend a lot of time on it, but I think we do err greatly in tying the eternal hands of God's blessings and miracles with the ropes of our temporal and earthly thinking. Again, it's like we, we tie God's hands because we're not, we're not thinking in terms of eternity. We serve an eternal God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's all-present. He is God Almighty, the Most High God. He created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. What was your problem again? What, what did you need? And He's not just Almighty Creator, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God. He's your Heavenly Father who loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die for you. I think about what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8. He said, if if God is not going to withhold His only begotten Son from you, that He was willing to give His only begotten Son to die for you, is there anything He won't do? Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, I'm not angry. (laughs) Probably angry at myself more than anything else. All those times, ah, would to God that I would have just trusted Him to do the magnificent. He's an eternal God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? With God all things are possible. Yeah, but we were told we couldn't have children. Oh really? I can open the womb. Yeah, we were told that it's terminal. We need to get our affairs in order. Oh, really? I can heal. I'm the God who heals. Yeah, we were basically told it's kind of game over, and it doesn't look good. Oh, really? I'm the God who provides. I am the God who is whatever you need. Just ask. And none of these wimpy, small, you know, prayers. God's waiting on standby. He has everything you need at the ready for the asking. Ask. This last one, and you're going to have to 
please bear with me and hear my heart, and please don't misunderstand me on this, but this to me is probably the (laughs) most powerful and applicable life lesson and takeaway for me personally. Conspicuously absent from this letter is any mention of Paul protesting his imprisonment politically, nor seeking justice socially. In the very first verse, the very first words, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not a prisoner of Rome, not a prisoner of the political party in office at the time. There's no calls for rallies and protests. No, he knows why he's there and who allowed him to be put there and who put him there was Jesus. Why do you think? Because, (laughs) can you imagine? You know, they chained the prisoners to Roman guards in shifts 24-7 a prisoner. It's not like the prisons today. They were literally chained to a Roman guard. And then when their shift was over, they got a new guard and they were chained the whole time. How awkward and uncomfortable would that be? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're chained. Here's what I'm thinking. And this, this is just the way my brain works. I know they have clinical terms for this. But I just wonder if God was like, who's on shift that's going to be chained to Paul? because he needs to get saved. Put him on. And they did. That's why you're there, Paul. If I'm Paul, let's just be honest, okay? And I'll just speak for myself again. I'm Paul. I'm in prison. Man, I'm calling everybody. Hey, uh, we need a rally. I'm in here unjustly. I am in here for righteousness sake. We need to get me out of here. To which God in heaven is like, wait, I put you there in the first place. What's your hurry? I'm going to use you there. Because those guys need to be saved. Not them. No, them too. Yeah, but, oh, I love them too. I love them as much as I love you. And I want them saved. And you're the one I'm going to choose and use to bring them to me. Again, I know this is a touchy topic, especially today. You start talking about protesting and rallying and the injustice. Listen to what one commentator said. I think this just says it all. Paul never called for an overthrow of the system of slavery, yet the principles in the letter to Philemon destroy slavery. The greatest social changes come when people are changed, one heart at a time. In our society, racism, and our low regard for the unborn 
cannot be eliminated by laws. A change of heart must occur. That's a drop the mic. I'm not going to do that mic because it's a stationary mic, but if I had one, I would drop it right now. Did you get that? Okay, this will be the last, last thing. Think about this. The early church turned the world upside down for Christ. How did they do it? They didn't have buildings. They didn't even have a Bible yet. The New Testament hadn't even been written yet. They didn't have microphones to drop. (laughs) They didn't have any of that. Yet they changed the world. How did they do it? One heart at a time. I shared this in the prophecy update, and I'll close with this. I do it to myself. It's an issue, but I put pressure on myself, especially with the weightiness of the prophecy updates as of late for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. So last week in my time with the Lord, the Lord, as only He can, just stopped me and ministered to me and said to me, just get them to me. Just get them to me as quickly as you can. Just get the people to Jesus. That's all you got to do. You know, I'm putting on myself, I mean, wow, this is happening. I got to tell them about this. I got to warn them about that. I've got to explain to them about this. I've got, I've got to show them how it connects with this. And it's like the Lord's saying, stop it. Stop it. Just get them to me. Okay, that's kind of easy. Yeah, just get, I'll take care of the rest. I think sometimes we're trying to clean the fish before we catch them. I'll find a better illustration. If you, if you have a better one, just let me know. How is it that we expect people who are not saved and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit to act like they are? I remember hearing a pastor, and this will be the last, last thing. <laughs> I remember hearing a pastor say one time, you know, uh, all this ruckus about prayer in schools, prayer in schools. Prayer needs to be back in schools. He said, how about we have prayer back in churches? Oh. Oh, did that hurt a little bit, I hope? That got me, man. That's right. Starts with the church. Starts with us. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Philemon. This book is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. The meat of the message is related to Philemon's slave running away and how Paul encouraged Philemon to forgive his slave who had come to know Christ. This idea of forgiveness isn't new, but it's not always easy to do when you feel you've been wronged. Forgiveness is truly an act of God in your heart. Are you wrestling with forgiving someone for a wrong they've done to you? If so, this book may be a helpful reminder that God calls us to forgive just as He's forgiven us. 
If you'd like to hear this message again, head over to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're on our website, you can access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. There are many topics covered that might be of interest to you. Again, our website is calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you're interested in listening to these messages on the go, search for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. You can also watch the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update at jdfarag.com. We're nearing the end of our time with you today, but we're glad you listened in. These messages are interesting and insightful, and it's something to look forward to. We hope you'll join us next time as Pastor J.D. will teach through God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, right here on In Spirit and Truth.